Be a part of the Fredericton Freeze women's basketball team's $100 from 100 fundraising campaign. The Maritime Women's Basketball League team is seeking $100 from 100 businesses for their 2024 operating expenses. Email fredertonfreezemwba at outlook.com or fredertonfreeze.ca for details. It's a Fredericton treat on the north side and a proud supporter of the Late Scratches podcast, covering sports of all sorts in the Fredericton region. Dixie Lee has been serving our loyal customers for decades at 115 Gibson Street. Our staff is always ready to serve up your favorites at Dixie Lee for dine-in or takeout options. We know you have plenty of choices for food fuel, but we hope Dixie Lee is on your list. Call us at 455-8800 or better yet, come on in to Dixie Lee. Hi, and welcome to Late Scratches, episode 16. I'm Bill Gibson on the road today without my usual co-host, Brad James. Uh, made the trek to Miramichi for a very special day here on the Miramichi and also joined by a couple uh, very special guests, uh, Jim Waters from Miramichi Valley High School, um, provincial team coach, coach of the uh, AAA girls champion Pulamu last season, uh, another great season uh, this year, and uh, also commissioner of the Maritime Women's Basketball Association, uh, Jen Lloyd. Welcome to the podcast, both of you. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Great to be here. Uh, Jim, this is a special day here at Miramichi Valley High School. Tell us about uh, Basketball Day on the River. Yeah, we're pretty excited about today. Um, It kind of came about, uh, we've been talking with St. Thomas University about uh, playing a game here on the river at some point. Uh, We tried to make it happen last year and it did not. Um, So we planned on it this year too, especially where St. Thomas has two of our um, local athletes, Coach Hickey, John wanted to uh, do a game in their backyard kind of for them. So once we had confirmed that game and UPEI had agreed to come, we thought, why not make it a bigger event? And we are trying to uh, raise some money for a new um, multi-purpose bus. Um, the one that we have now is about 15 years old, and it's coming to the end of its life. And we need a new one, so we kind of put together this uh, basketball day on the river, um, centered around with UPEI playing stew, um, and then added some things onto it. So yeah, it's been a fun day. Yeah, so I know you started with a clinic this morning with Stu uh, participating in that. Uh, you then had a youth game going on right now. There's a JV girls game. Uh, after that, Special Olympians versus the councillors. The I city councillors, yeah. Counselors. Yeah, should, um, that should, might be the highlight of the day, that one. Uh, all, all leading into the, the, the Stu game and something very special uh, happening in the Stu game, which is why uh, Jen is here as well. Yeah, we're pretty excited, to be honest. Uh, Jen, you want to let the, you know, we're, we're recorded here. The announcement isn't official, you know, yet, but this will be, you know, not available to anyone until after that. So you might as well let the cat out of the bag here if you want. Fantastic. No yeah, we are very pleased uh, to welcome the Miramichi Hurricanes into uh, season three of the MWBA starting this May. Uh, they presented a great uh, proposal to us. I mean, if today, <laughs> if we could look into the, you know, into the future back when we were considering it and just see the crowds today and the energy, it's it's a no-brainer. What a great addition to to our league, and we're just stoked to have have the Hurricanes on board. So congratulations to uh, to you and your team, and and welcome to the MWBA. Yeah, we're really excited. Um, 
I know I'm here speaking right now on the podcast, but we have such a great group that has put a lot of effort and energy in making this announcement happen. And uh, we know after tonight, there's a lot of hard work still to be done, but uh, it's it's really nice to uh, be able to make this announcement tonight. And we're really excited to bring, uh, you know, this product to, uh, to the river. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I'm excited because you go back to the heart of what the league's about. It's an opportunity for women to play competitive basketball beyond university years. So it's another opportunity for 14, um, you know, women to continue playing, and that in itself is a great big check mark. But one of the other reasons why it was important for Miramichi to be part of this league. Well, I think that um, basketball has always had a pretty good place here on the river. But in the last number of years, it has really grown in popularity. And you can look at our numbers in our minor program. They have really grown. But the crowds out, like Jen was saying, we've, you know, we've uh, done really well. And on top of that, on the high school side of things, the, uh, the uh, ladies, uh, the high school ladies has been really popular. And uh, there's a lot of buzz around that. So, you know, it really made sense. Um, we were... Uh, uh, it really made sense to put the application in to try. Now, there's a lot of hurdles, and, you know, we're a small area, and we don't always have – we're not Halifax, and even St. John, Fredericton, and Moncton have access to the local players that may, but we really thought that we could make it work and bring this product to the community, and we really thought the community would buy in, and we think that they will. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with Miramichi sports. There's a, there's a great rivalry going back with Fredericton teams, particularly, you know, think about the baseball side of things with the Ironman and the Royals. Um, which I'm in the middle of most summers, uh, uh, the last few at least, uh, around that. Uh, and you think about Miramichi, and you, you absolutely, uh, if there's an area that will embrace a sports team, it's Miramichi. Like, it's hands down. Um, you don't even, like, I wouldn't name any other place in New Brunswick. Maybe Woodstock, if you were, were talking basketball. Well, we uh, just were up for the uh, Thunder Valley Classic, and it's pretty hard to beat the crowds uh, that they get out for that. It's it's an unreal atmosphere for the kids to play in yeah, front of, for it, sure. it is. I, I missed that one this year. I had a few other things going on. I couldn't get up to that. I usually you know, like to take in a game or two of that over the holidays, the, the Thunder Valley. But uh, certainly Miramichi, I have no doubts, will support the product, and it's a great product, Jen. It is a great product. I mean, to date, we've had over 120 uh, participants playing on the six teams, but it's a platform for for everyone to get involved in, right from coaches. We have apprentice coaches who are just starting their journey, who are welcomed by the teams and the benches. We have officials who are, you know, on their officiating journey and want that challenge in a safe, supportive environment. Uh, physiotherapists, I know, have brought in, you know, students in support of of the physios. So, and our minor officials, our officials, like there's just, there's a safe, supportive, welcoming place for everyone. And that vibe that's in the gyms, I can see it just natural fit here. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. And this is your first year as commissioner in the league and in fact this I think is your first sort of official um, you know assignment if you will as commissioner. It How exciting is. is that? Oh, it's it's very exciting. When I heard that this was going to be announced today, I I said I need I need to be here. I want to be here. I mean, basketball has been a big part of my life for a very long time and just to transition into this role and be a be a representative of our league today, I'm I'm honored. I'm proud. I I just I can't wait for the for the announcement to come out officially and for the buzz to start because this league has has had so much great 
uh, community involvement, great publicity, great social media exposure. And I think after today, there's been some great teasers around the league and and the town here. So it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, and I'm excited on behalf of you know the Freeze franchise to have you as as part of the part of the the leadership in in the league. This might be the the one thing in your basketball resume you haven't yet checked off with something like this. Uh, you've played, you've you officiate still, and, and that is still part of your role going forward. You'll be officiating it in the women's league. It is. I was lucky enough that the executive made a decision that I would be able to to uh, take off my commissioner hat and put on my officiating hat on game days. So I was blessed to be able to still officiate because I feel like that's you know that's one of my strengths that I that I bring. I mean I've seen these kids grow up on the basketball court so uh, to be able to still officiate and help help build the league is is I'm honored yeah and uh, as I said the, the product is amazing I think it's a superior product to even what we see in AUS just give, given the caliber of players that we have uh, just this year alone uh, three players playing pro out of the league this year from one last year up to three this year so there there are steps that can happen for players and, th and this league is part of that exactly the uh, the league is becoming known nation you know from from coast to coast uh, kids are coming in you know to stay with their teammates for the season who live here who play and who normally would head back to Ontario or other provinces so the league is getting so much publicity as a place that you can continue to play. You can train, you know, when you're in transition between your seasons and when you finish your fourth or fifth year of school and think that your playing time is over, it's an opportunity. So it's wonderful. Yeah, and, you know, this is very anecdotal and it's going to sound like I'm name dropping for someone that I'm really not that connected to. Uh, but going back to, to this summer, and I think we talked about it on the, on the very first podcast, Brad and I, but where this started um, was in St. Andrews for the world's oldest basketball court uh, golf tournament. And uh, Miranda Ayam, former national team member, maybe don't think current national team member, but apologize, Miranda, I probably should know that before I'm name dropping. That sort of goes to show how much I'm actually actually in touch. I was chatting with her uh, at one of the social events around her podcast and, and you know, brought up the, the Maritime Women's League and said, hey, and, you know, do, do people know about it? And you know, how could we get some more players like the Cajarinis and the, and the Tiffany Reynolds, uh, who were two players that went pro this year, you know, down from Ontario? And she looked at me and said, we'd love to have the same thing in Ontario. Why, why can't we talk about that? And I'm like, Great. Let's talk about that. Let's have let's have that. So, and a player of that level to be aware and to know about that, uh, the league here in the Maritimes just it blew me away. Yeah, I mean the word is spreading positively. People know that it's a reliable league. It's a safe league. It's a supportive league, from all levels, right from owners to sponsors to to coaches. Like it's it's a place where everybody can have an opportunity and and have a positive experience. Um, and lots happening in the league, even in this off season. Uh, there's a move of a franchise and uh, sort of a, a rebrand. They're embracing the culture in uh, in a new area. Oh yeah, it's it's been an amazing uh, social media transformation for the Windsor Edge to come into uh, come into Dartmouth and be the 56ers. The story behind it is is amazing. So. Um, the Lakes Lakeside 56ers. So, City of Lakes is Dartmouth. That's our that's our nickname. And oh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 1956 there was a uh, Equal Opportunity Pay Act. And I know I'm paraphrasing, but uh, former Premier Robert Stanfield was a big component of 
of equal opportunity for uh, African Nova Scotians, African Canadians, women and men. And this, this act of 56 brought the pay scale up equivalent between men and women. So the way that their that their franchise tied in that to the to their branding was it, brilliant. That's pretty cool because someone was asking the other day with the uh, franchise move, uh, what's with the name 56ers? And I said, really? I have no idea. So it's, it's, uh, it's cool to hear the background behind that. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And this announcement here today in Miramichi, it, it may even top that, that announcement. The, the growth of the league uh, only means good things that people want to be involved. Yeah, I mean... There's been, since I've come on board, and this is only my, you know, I've only been on board since the fall, but we've had talks about expansion, about, uh, you know, a signing window, like exciting things that are making our league more more reputable, more even more professional than it, than it has been during year one or two. So just those couple of tweaks and an addition of a great franchise, the, the, it's, it's a buzz. The league is, a, the league is hot. Yeah, so so let's go there. You said the P word, so let's uh, let's talk about professional for just a moment. Uh, the backdrop of what's going on now nationally, the Women's Professional Hockey League, uh, just launched in the last couple days. Oh, amazing! Uh, and amazing things that they're doing. Uh, this league, in terms of the Maritime Women's Basketball Association, strictly amateur players are, are not paid. Yes, uh, I meant professional within the right. the approach and the and the professionalism. Right. So and, yeah, there's and, no there's no money being exchanged. And, and we've got a, a a new women's professional soccer league coming to Canada in the coming I want to say months. I don't know the timeline or when they're playing. Not not quite in that in in tune of that. What's it going to take for it to be a pro women's basketball league here? I mean. I think, and I would have to get on the Google to to confirm it, but I think that there is something going that direction in Ontario with a with a women's professional league. Um, again, I would have to Google it, but I remember reading something that they're looking at that. So it's it's in the works, and I I bet it's not far away. It's coming. It's definitely coming. I think at some point, sooner or later, but it will be here at some point. Yeah, I mean, if that. Uh, WNBA game that was in Toronto last May is any indication the game sold out Scotiabank which is 10 12,000 people in minutes uh, if that is any indication of the popularity of women's basketball in Canada then whoever has the money and the wherewithal to to get a professional team here in Canada can can know that that's going to be the result every game if they if they choose to take you know take roots in in a Toronto yeah, and one of the things that's always challenging about Canada is geography and where our people are as you look at Canada in compared to, say, the U.S., at least the eastern U.S., the maybe the Midwest of, of the U.S. is more comparable to how spaced out things are, are in Canada. Uh, the travel costs are, are always a major factor when you're, when you're looking at that. Uh, even within the Maritime Women's League, it's one of the things that I hear most talked about is, you know, how do we keep cost under control while still putting out this fa fabulous product and, and how do we you know keep things growing you know without sort of breaking the bank if you will and I know a number of fabulous sponsors that you would love to just opportunity to talk about here. Absolutely I was just going to segue into that I mean uh, we're into year three with uh, Meta V Blue Cross and Royale Tissue. Um, our founding sponsors have been with us since minute one literally and they continue to uh, to support the league and embrace it. 
Um, Sports Entertainment Atlantic has come on board as well to give us some extra um, organization and knowledge from their, from their expertise. Um, yeah, just having those sponsors on board and, and knowing that they are behind the league and are in sync with what we, what we stand for is just encouraging to know that they're going to be there and, and continue to support the league. And Jimmy, sponsors a big part about the Miramichi Hurricanes franchise as well. Oh, definitely. Like, um, you have to have the uh, backing of the community and the, that sponsorship in order to make a uh, franchise like this work. And that's one thing where, you know, in the Miramichi that um, uh, sports teams are, are well supported uh, throughout the community. And that was one thing, one area that we were really uh, confident in when we started this process that we would have that support from the community. So, yeah. 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 Feel free to name drop if you want. Well, we're still working on a lot of those things, but uh, they'll be out there shortly, for sure. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah, we'll, we'll stay tuned. I will, I will plug uh, the River Hoops uh, Local Basketball Association because they are a big supporter of the, of the new franchise, too. So I will plug the Minor Basketball Association because, uh, you know, and I'm a part of that, but the, the, the whole group of people that make that organization uh, run have been very supportive of the new franchise and have been on board from day one. How, how important was the exhibition game here last year between Port City Fog and uh, Frederick and Freeze? Well, I think it was important on a couple levels. I think uh, first it was important when the league uh, said, listen, we, uh, we, um, when Frederick and when Brad uh, called and said, we want to play an exhibition game, we want to do one, or we're looking at uh, moving them around the province, showing uh, different communities what the product is like, and would you like to host? And we, uh, right away we were on board. We wanted to host. So, you know, I think it was an opportunity for us too because, you know, there had been some thought. I myself and a few others uh, whether or not we could make this work in the community um, because we're not huge but it was a great opportunity to showcase the type of support that we have so you know we have two teams that are not from here playing and we pack we pack the place now we do have some local players playing um, on that St. John Fogg team last year um, but we had a huge crowd out so I think that was great I think we really wanted to bring it as far as our association is. Uh, we have um, every other community, uh, for the most part, in this league has a university within their city. So uh, uh, the, the kids in that community always get the chance to see a higher level, go to games, uh, aspire maybe to play at those levels where, you know, we have to bring our kids to, to UMB to a game or St. Thomas or somewhere else. So it was another opportunity to bring this into the community and show our kids, like, hey, you guys can play here too. You, you know, there's a spot. Like, um, um, so we thought that was important. So those were a couple of things. But as soon as they offered it to us, uh, a chance, we, we were on board. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Yeah, and it was, as you say, part of the magic of the league is seeing the players and the interactions with the with the really young kids. Uh, even when, uh, you know, think about the freezes, Rachel Brochu, who tore her Achilles or injured her Achilles here, just like 30 seconds into her first, early, exhi early, yes. first exhibition uh, game, unable to yeah. play the whole year. And the kids were still flocking to her and supporting her, even as she sat on the bench injured. Just, well, just amazing. Uh, well, you'll see her because she's working down there. She's in, uh, she's in grade six, but... 
the, the uh, league had brought a basketball and had all the teams sign it. Bo- every player on both teams, the Freeze and the Fog, signed this basketball. And she was presented with the basketball. And her parents told me afterwards, like, like she just, uh, she, she had, she, like, it's something that she really values. Like, she slept with it that night type of thing. So wow. it meant so much to her. So, um, you know, it, it, it's pretty cool. Just at halftime of this of this senior girls game, teams are you know having a break, and immediately it was just like a swarm of kids go onto the court, and they all have basketballs, and they're all passing it and playing it, and some are just doing tricks, and some are shooting, and some are playing one on one, and the minute that halftime was over, just respectfully back, they didn't let the balls fly, they just walked back, put them all in the cart, and returned to their seats. And as someone from the city, I was just like, my mouth was open, I was like. What a respectful, amazing bunch of kids. It's funny, though. uh, We were talking about this when we were in Woodstock. It is amazing, too, because soon as halftime hits, you just see. I was was sitting there watching a game. We were not playing, and there was a little girl. She must have been about three and a half, four years old, no older. And she had her little princess uh, uh, crown on, and she was drawing some stuff. And as soon as that horn went, she grabbed her mother's hand and started running as fast as she could across the court to get a basketball. And she came off, and her cheeks were all red. So we were actually talking about this as uh, coaches up there because I know there was a time myself that – oh, we can't have anybody on the court at halftime. And I remember a few years ago, I don't know when this changed, but I was sitting there and I said, this is the best part about it. Those kids, that's what we want. We want the kids out there on the floor wanting to have a basketball in their hand and just to see it. So we were actually talking about that in Woodstock the other day. So it's uh, it's pretty funny. It's not that way in all gyms. There are still some high school gyms where... It was like that once here. We would never have let that happen. And we just said uh, we'd have our uh, games with our big crowds and the kids wanted to get out. And like Jen said, they were uh, very respectful. They have sneakers on or they take their boots off or whatever. And when it's done, they put the balls back and away we go. The game goes again. Magical. I loved it. Uh, So, Jen, it's got to be pretty special for you to hear stories like Jim's just told. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's – I mean, I, I grew up watching basketball and getting involved and I mean to see young kids who want to play basketball who want to come and watch their older sisters to come and just and just watch because it's their town it's their team it's the team that they want to play for that emulates what the MWBA is all about the kids in the gyms that see this is what I could do if I keep playing if I keep working if I keep you know striving that it's possible so that's that's one of the reasons why the league is so so powerful and it's it's been a brought the right way from from every franchise i think one of the cool things for the league for me is is the diversity of it um you know you see players in the league that are in their 30s they have their own children now. Some of them I've coached, so you see that end of it. And then you see the kids uh, that played, and they're going to play professionally in Europe. So you have those. So it's just a great mix. It's like uh, it's a great spot where those both of those types of players can share the same court. And from what I've heard from the actual players, one does not act better than the other. When they come together – they're a team. And whether I'm on the floor or she's on the floor or she's on the floor, the goal is the same, to play the game we love, to, to have some success, to have some fun. So it's really amazing that it brings us all together. Yeah, I, I got a little inside look this past season with the Freeze franchise by 
going to, I'll say, half plus of, of their practices and, and right from the very first tryout. Um, it was the first time some of these kids coming out of university have tried out for a team since junior high, maybe. Like uh, high school, they, they pretty much know they're going to make the team. I mean, there's probably still tryouts. Uh, and just they're like, wow, I got to try out. Like it was it was pretty neat to be part of that. Yeah. And I mean, to tangent off a little bit, it's going to prepare them for for their for their work life, preparing for. And I say basketball, but then preparing for an interview, being ready, having the, the skills that you need. I mean, for basketball, it's basketball skills, but being prepared with your resume, with your experience, ready to communicate. So those are skills that, that these kids are getting on the basketball court and off of the basketball court that are going to help, you know, help, help them be successful in life. So win-win, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, I mean, I, everyone in Lose Lessons have heard me talk a lot about the Maritime Women's Basketball Association and and all the positive is for me. It's just a it's a privilege to to be involved and um, you know I, I tried hard to get here today and I made it over. I wasn't sure at eleven o'clock if I was even going to be able to get away from work, but you know thankfully again that my employer allows me the flexibility to to arrange my schedule such that that I could get get over here to Miramichi and and uh, you know be part of this announcement on behalf of the the Freeze franchise. I guess sort of semi formally. Uh, represent uh, represent Brad here, who had some other things going on, uh, just to welcome Miramichi into the league. Um, anything else you want to talk about in terms of sort of this franchise here? And we can move into a few maybe other basketball-related topics. No, just that uh, we're excited to get started. We want to. We're uh, we have a little bit of time before uh, we uh, start playing games towards the end of April, um, and uh, we know that there's a lot of work to do, but uh, we have a great uh, group of uh, volunteers and people that are really interested in seeing this uh, team work so we're pretty excited and, you, and you've already got some committed players as well we do and uh, unofficially because we're not to the signing window yet. exactly yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes well we have a number of um, local players that are currently playing uh, or have played in the past at uh, both the U Sport and ACA level. So uh, uh, we're definitely hopeful that, uh, you know, we, we want to have as many of our homegrown kids playing on the team as possible. Now, one thing that we will have to do, we're going to have to have some players from uh, not from here come in and play for sure to make this work. So uh, we're embracing that and uh, we understand that and we're excited for it. Yeah, and we've seen that, you know, as, as uh, you know, as close to me as the Freeze franchise with, uh, you know, certainly Andrea Wright, who came in from California last year to play with the Freeze. Just uh, an unbelievable story there that someone from the U.S. and as far away as California found the league and wanted to be part of it and, and came in and, and, you know, was a full participant uh, uh, in the league. Uh, just uh, just remarkable like that. So th those things are, are possible and even the, the player portal that the league has uh, facilitates some of those those types of discussions. Uh, certainly, you know, I think about uh, Freeze roster of a couple years ago and the Port City roster last year, Bailey Black, uh, um, you know, a Miramichi-er who played at UNB. Uh, I'm sure that's one of the names high on the list here. Oh, definitely. And Bailey is uh, really, really excited and 
Bailey does not live here now. She li- she is in, uh, she's a teacher and she's teaching in our district, but she uh, she lives in Camelton, which is the better part of two hours away. But she's all in and she is really excited. And you'll see her. She'll be she'll be here later tonight. So uh, yeah, that's- yeah. And it was cool seeing uh, Bailey's. Uh, she has a little sister in grade six, so she was actually at the clinic here this morning. So it's uh, yeah, it's really nice to see, and it's going to be awesome for her little sister to be able because she was when Bailey was at UMB playing. Yes, she would go and see her, but now she's a little bit older, so it's really cool to me that Andy, her little sister, can continue to watch Bailey to play and do that right here on the Miramichi. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. One of my favorite. Uh, uh, when they did, I forget who did the news piece on the league, and there's a little girl there, and she's got a T-shirt on, and it says, "That's my mom," and uh, and and I and, and that I thought that was really neat, and that's yeah, and that's kind of what it's about too, where a little girl can come into a gym where it would not have happened before, maybe other than at basketball New Brunswick provincials or something like that, but see their mother play uh, like they did. Maybe ten years ago, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I believe that's Kelly Vass's. It was Kelly Vass. It, it was Kelly's. Yeah, it was Kelly's, Kelly's daughter. daughter yes. out of the yep. Mystics uh, franchise. Just the iconic shot from from year one, and she still wears the still wears the t-shirt. I'm sure. Yeah, and that picture just tells you what our league is all about. We play hard, but at the end of the day, we're moms. We're professionals. We're you know we're teachers. We're but at the end of the day. We all we all love the game, and to have for them to have this opportunity to keep playing is amazing. So so blessed to to have this league and be a part of it. Yeah, those role models I think are important for our young f- athletes in general, but our young female athletes, and uh, I think that's uh, that's really important. I think that is a big part of what this league is about. At all levels, I mean, we use it as I mean, my hat before I was commissioner was uh, director of officials. So to be able to have the support of the league from from year one to use it as a developmental pathway for officials, it's a win-win. So now these officials go back to their communities and our leaders, and can you know take skills and and run clinics and and be crew chiefs and give skills that help the officials from all over the Maritimes. So. All those, all those areas. Coaches now are gonna take the opportunities back to their, you know, their U14 team that they're coaching on, you know, as well as helping out with the freeze. Say, it's a win-win for everybody. So that's a great lead into where I wanted to go next with our discussion here. Uh, and I know you both follow the podcast at least a little bit. Um, one of the recent podcasts we get talking about officiating. Um, and in particular, the situation that happened in Halifax, Jen, which I'm sure you're pretty familiar with, with yes, the, yes. With the uh, fans being banned from the stands because of, I'll call it officials abuse. I'm not sure that's the right term, but it's uh, it's pretty it's a pretty accurate uh, label. Um, so so that happened, and then we get talking about how do we get more officials into the game, and there were tons of of uh, comments back uh, through to the podcast here. Uh, you know, around that, I think we hear a little bit of background music happening uh, for the warm up for the. I think the, next the uh, Special Olympians have just hit the court. There, there you <laughs> nice. go. Nice. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit in terms of, of officiating. Uh, we've seen uh, the the fans banned uh, at least for a weekend in Halifax. I think they're back now. Yep, our Metro Minor goes again on on Saturday, and from my knowledge, the the gyms will be opened up to fans again. Um, 
hopefully it's it's been a growth mindset experience for those people that you know those parents and grandparents and sisters aunts and uncles that it's affected hopefully moving forward we'll uh, embrace a little bit of empathy and support but at the end of the day it's the it's the it's the observers that have to have to decide how they want to approach the game and I know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of emotion in basketball it's an emotional game it, your emotions go high low quiet loud I mean it's such a dynamic game and I understand you know the the them embracing it and wanting their their child their player to do well but we just have to give some some leeway Hum- referees are human we make mistakes players make mistakes I mean nobody screams and yells at Sally when she misses a layup so we're gonna miss we're gonna miss calls so hopefully everybody comes this weekend with with a little growth mindset and an appreciation of how difficult it is from a professional standpoint we just need to find ways within our communities to keep these referees not only engaged but give them some tools for their toolbox that are going to help de-escalate maybe some of these situations. I mean, we're not we're not going into the stands and communicating with parents. That's that's against our protocol, but we just need a few, you know, a few tools that can de-escalate some of these things. Uh, we're going to continue to offer professional development to our officials so that they stay up on new rule changes, techniques. I mean, the game is so dynamic that you can't learn it once as an official and just keep those skills the game is too fast now and there's too many good players that we need to keep developing so one of my roles in in metro in in Halifax where I live Halifax Dartmouth is a recruitment and retention committee and I tend to put more emphasis on the retention from from my own personal uh interests so I just I know I've had some successes and and really enjoying officiating and I want other people to experience that too so I'm putting a heavy weight on how can how can I help these officials stay involved in the game and for me it's offering clinics and refresher things and having my you know email address given to these new officials that take our course every year and offering you know if you if something's happening in your game email me you have my number text me call me and then offering these little get together sessions throughout the year that we can talk about things and hopefully give them some help so that they don't reoccur and happen again and that it's a good experience for them because it's it's a great game and it's it's a phenomenal way to stay involved absolutely uh, I, I look at your officiating career and you know you've officiated in a lot of places yeah I've been pretty pretty fortunate that I came into officiating at a good time where um, they were looking to advance some some qualified female officials and um, I had some great mentoring from from referees in my hometown of Truro who encouraged me to to get into officiating and then when I when I arrived in the city was just given opportunities for success and and learning opportunities and leadership opportunities so yeah basketball basketball has allowed me to to visit a lot of this world <laughs> so some of the feedback we had when we get into this conversation before that, that's all wonderful um, you know uh, overview from an official standpoint was we talked about the, the parents and we talked about the stuff from the stands we didn't talk about the stuff from the coaches and that was some of the feedback that came from a couple different uh, people saying our coaches part of the problem with officials not being engaged and apologize coach i'm not looking on at you in to coach particular. waters um we've been having this conversation it's uh, a, a, 
I think uh, I was talking to Danny Patterson and a few other people about this on the weekend, and I think, it, you know, and I've been mad at officials and said stuff that now I, I wish I could take back, uh, but I do now, and I'm older, and hopefully a little more wiser and more mature, um, understand that sometimes there are bad calls out there, and, and I think so, we still have a lot of coaches that think that they need to get on officials to get calls. They're going to get calls and get calls. I think we have to change the culture. I think it starts in a lot of ways with the coach interaction with officials because I think in a lot of ways when that is not positive, sometimes I think it gives the fans, um, it, it gives them a sense of entitlement to get on the referees too because the coach is getting on them. So I think there's responsibility there. And then, Jen, you can correct me if I'm wrong because you know the rules way more than I do. But I think if you follow the rules uh, that really coaches in an, an officials' interactions are supposed to take place in a cordial way during dead ball situations, if you look at FIBA rules. Correct. Right? Correct. And I just don't know why we don't enforce that more or make that the expectation, especially from the U14 level down. Because I'll be honest, you know, I, I'm not with basketball in New Brunswick. I still coach, but I'm not on the board or things like that. But I do keep up on what's going. And some of the biggest problems are like at U11, U13, and U14, um, where that should be non-existent at that level. So I do think that there are responsibilities from coaches. And one of the things that we were talking about the other day is maybe there has to be, it has to be like volleyball. You're not allowed to say anything negative to an official, especially at the U14 level and down. And I don't know if that's the answer, but it's definitely something to consider at this point. Agreed. It's what it's what the kids see. I mean, they all want to shoot threes because they see James Harden. They all want to do that crazy step back because they no, see. Please, not like James Harden. Oh, I know. I know. It's a is bad, that a travel That's a bad example. Uh, I think it is. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, you're exactly right. It's it's those levels where we've had, and I'm not privy to the statistics of the amount of complaints and violations and reports that come in, but I would guess that you're exactly 100% right that it's our U16, U14, U12 divisions that these confrontations and, and problems are, are happening. So it is, it's definitely a concern. And that's the levels, when you're looking at those le lower levels, that's usually where you're getting your younger officials. And let's be honest, it's basketball's a hard game to play if you don't have officials. So we need to get, like Jen, Jen said, is we need to recruit, but we need to have, retain our young officials and develop them. And it's tough for younger officials to deal with some of those hostile situations that, quite frankly, they shouldn't have to deal with, especially when they're refereeing at that level. So I think, you know, everybody's got to look at that. And, you know, it's great. I thought Matt Boyle's uh, Facebook post, it was awesome. It got a lot of push everywhere, right, and a lot of support. But I really hope it's not one of those things that everyone pushes out on Facebook for a week or two, and then it just goes back to a, I hope, like, like I'm, uh, I'm conf uh, I hope that it promotes some change and makes some people think. And I hope people start. I think part of what Halifax did with not allowing fans is that if I am going and I'm behaving the way I should, and I want to watch my kid play, that maybe I will help out in situations like that and say, "Hey, listen, stop that. I want to watch my kid play." 
that's not appropriate. And, you know, put some of that pressure on. Because let's be honest, it's not a huge percentage of people in the stands that are creating this You're problem. Right. It's, it's a very not. small percentage. Yep, agreed. And that's where I think this weekend, I think, is going to be rainbows and unicorns. Everybody's just going to be happy to be back in the gym. And then I f we feel like sort of the weekend next is going to be our make and break and are there people that exactly what you said that are going to be courageous and and stand up because a they want to watch their kid but b they know that what's happening is not right so that's that's going to be the kicker i think the middle of january is going to be is going to be where we see if if this paid off have there ever been times jim where you've been on the bench and you've wanted to stand up and speak to the crowd and say hey knock it out knock I've done it twice I've done it twice this year so far where I have based on I just I'm old and I've been around forever so I just we, we had some comments from the stands that I thought were really unfair they were the fan was calling the referee a homer uh, it was a tough call. It was called a block against the other team. It went for us. And could it have been a no call? Maybe. But the referee called it a block. And it was early on in the game. And loud enough for the whole gymnasium to hear, you go, here come the hometown calls right up. And I just yelled across the gym. I was sitting in my chair. Stop that. We're not doing that here tonight. Cut that out or you're not staying type thing. And it was not an issue Good after you. that, right? And that's the second time that's happened uh, this year, and it happened last year. But I think that's part of it. If you call people out in a packed gym and single them out, then I think we need to call those people out because I don't think it's a huge number of people. And I think most people are sensible and are in agreement. And I think we do have to put a spotlight on some of those people because when someone calls a, a, a referee a homer, there's <laughs> – I've been around. No one is cheating. Everyone's doing the best they can. Are there bad calls? For sure they are. Right? There are. There are bad calls. Guilty, but guilty, nobody guilty. is cheating. The no. referees are out there trying their best to make the best calls. Right? So, um, yeah, I think we do have to, um, you know, try to support them more. This game does not happen without referees. And we need, uh, it, you know, it's the same here. We have a lot of older officials that are great that have been around the game. We need more younger officials. And this is not a unique problem here on the river. It, it's the same everywhere I go. So it is not. We need to change this culture. It's important. Boy, I'm, I'm glad I asked that question. I wasn't sure we were going to get examples that are, were that recent. So, uh, you know, that's, a, that's something to see uh, that called out. And, and I agree there, there needs to be more of that. And I don't think it's someone getting on the PA before the game reading out the... The fair play. We were talking about that the, the other day that. too. Like that just goes in one ear and out the other. Agreed. You, you forget all of that, but it, yes. it, it is the or the signs, like the signs, and we don't have because they paint it. But uh, almost every gym in the province of New Brunswick has the big respect uh, yeah. from the NBIA, the high school, you know, respect officials and all that sort of thing, and they're on the wall. But I don't know if uh, people are reading them sometimes. So Jen, a lot of support from Coach here for the officials. It's fantastic. We need we need more Coach Coach Waters in our in our fraternity. But I th I think that the, that we will see some growth mindset come in this weekend. I mean, I I have a couple of university games, so I won't be in the trenches to witness the the Metro Minor. But I'm confident that that it's going to be a great second half for Metro Minor basketball, and and that 
we just had three cohorts of new officials so I'm gonna do my very very best to make sure that they get the training they need the support they need that um, Matt has assured me that they're gonna be put in situations where their partners are experienced confident so I have I have no doubt that these new officials experience is gonna be positive and there's gonna be growth and for them every single game so I'm really excited to get to work with some of them yeah that's that, that's amazing and uh, you know you're transitioning fairly well into some of the other things that I that I want to talk about there as well I just want to do a quick uh, side detour here and and uh, coach I'll, I'll, I know you'll know this name when I say it but uh, I don't want to let this episode pass by without uh, you know acknowledging the passing of Rick Stocker Jen I'm not sure if you you would certainly know Brent, oh yes uh, for yeah. sure uh, to acknowledge that uh, happened over over the holidays just an amazing man involved in basketball Basketball, track and field uh, was one of the great group of coaches at Fredericton High School when I went through. You know, I think about you know, Rick Cotter and, and Steve O'Rourke, uh, Dwight Dickinson, Rick Stocker. They, they were all at FHS when I went Legends. through. You couldn't help but learn more about the game just being there. And you know, I put uh, put yourself, Jim, in that in that same uh, same light here. I'm sure the the students that are around, but uh, you know, uh, you know, acknowledge the the passing of Rick and and condolences to the to the family and and all those who knew, who knew Rick. Uh, um, you know, a short little story of sitting. Um, I think it was at Leo Hayes watching a basketball tournament, and and Rick had, you know, it was just a few years ago, uh, and Rick was sitting beside me over my shoulder, and I looked over to one of the benches, and one of the players had out a cell phone, something I don't think I'd ever seen. Clearly, was not paying attention to the game at all. So, I, so I turned around to Rick and said, "Rick, what would you do in that situation?" And he looked over and looked at me and said, "I'd be buying the kid a new cell phone." <laughs> It's funny. Uh, well, now you made me think of something else. I remember uh, one of my mentors when I was growing up was a gentleman named Steve Ingram, who uh, was a teacher here on the river, and uh, and uh, he uh, he's passed away now. But uh, he was a great guy. But I remember one story. We were in the old fifteen pasture vans at that point, and we were coaching at that time. I was at Jamesham Hill, and we were going somewhere and at that time it was uh cds you were playing in the cd player and the boy said uh oh, mr ingram can you uh play this cd and he pops it in there and first off you know it's f this and the language is all and he just hits eject takes it and this at back time <laughs> how how much were cds like 20 bucks or something it was a big yes. deal right and fires it right out the window and we're going about 100 kilometers an hour in the Pastor man, so it just made me think of that. Uh, but Jen and I were talking about Rick earlier about the passing of Rick, and um, you know, uh, I knew uh, Rick as uh, uh, acquaintance, but he was uh, all my experiences with Rick were always so positive. He used to uh, when I was teaching at Jamesham Hill, and we would be hosting uh, track and field. Uh, regionals, he would always drive over from Fredericton and do, train our leadership kids. And every interaction I had with that man uh, were great. He was just such a positive, nice human being. That's, uh, and I don't know if there's anything better you can say about someone. There isn't, and I, I can say that he was a tough coach, uh, but he was an absolute gem of, a, of an individual. Um, and, you know, we're. We're missing him in Fredericton already for sure, and uh, you know it's not surprising to me that he's touched the people in Miramichi um, in that in that same Rick way. Um, so yeah, we're we're moving around the 45 minute mark here. So wow, I'll, time flies when you're having fun. Time flies. Time flies on these when when we're having fun. So uh, I'll jump into sort of what's going on in Fredericton sports this week, and maybe we'll come back uh, after that and uh, do our little. Uh, 
our little uh, five question segment that we have. So our, so our short snappers, maybe to, to end us off uh, on that. Uh, uh, NBPEI Major U18 Hockey League. If there's a league around that I'm going to find a new name for, it's that one. I hate. I hate that. That's name. a lot of that's letters. A, that's a whole lot of whole lot of things there. Uh, Fredericton's at St. John uh, Friday versus the Contendo Northern Moose Sunday. No idea where the Contendo Northern Moose are from. I'm guessing it's like Campbellton or Bathurst, Bathurst. Uh, somewhere up in up in that uh, region. Okay, I was going to Google it, yeah. but no need. Uh, NB Southern Senior Google Hockey Jim. League, uh, Saturday the 6th, River Valley's at Tri-County, 8 o'clock at the Tri-County Complex. Uh, Red, Fredericton Red Wings uh, don't play until next week. Uh, Stu Women's Hockey, they played an exhibition game last night in Mount A, and they won. Uh, they're back at home Friday, January 5th, Saturday, January 6th against... Uh, X and Dal at the Grand Harvey Center. I'll be there calling both of those uh, for Stu. UMB women's hockey, they're on the road this week. UMB men's hockey, they're home Friday against X and Saturday versus Dal. So a little interesting schedule quirk there. The the women uh, from X and Dal are coming to play the Tommies in Fredericton, and the men from X and Dal are coming to Fredericton to play uh, the UMB Red. So I'm not sure whether that's a, a double up on the busing thing with that, but that was just a weird schedule quirk that happened there. Uh, there's lots of boys high school hockey uh, in the Fredericton region uh, coming up. Check out the podcast website for all of that. I'm not going to go through it all here because you wouldn't remember it anyway. Uh, so that's not super important. Uh, Stu Volleyball, the women, uh, they have their Wood Motors Invitational Tournament Thursday and Friday, uh, and then they're not back home until later in January. Uh, men's Volleyball, uh, similar, they are not, don't have a tournament, but uh, uh, they're away until the 20th. Uh, UMB Men's Volleyball, I'm not sure they're even back home this, uh, this month. UMB Women's Basketball, uh, first place, uh, UMB Reds, how about that in Coach McAleenan's first year? She's a great coach. She'll do a great job. Has done a great job and will continue to do so. It's pretty exciting for UMB basketball. Yeah, uh, Friday, yeah they're a lot of fun to referee. Great girls. Uh, Friday, Saturday, they're at UPI. So uh, same with the UMB men. They're at UPI. So UPI, we're here on the Wednesday night. I'm sure they're probably staying over uh, tonight, back home tomorrow, and then right back on the court uh, to start the second half against UMB. UMB. Might even beat them the back to PEI. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, just uh, weather know, looks good tomorrow, though. The weather does look good. It's a, it was a beautiful day for a drive. I it was about 165 kilometers from from my door to the door here, and I think I went through 165 different speed zones between. So it took you about an hour and 20 minutes to get here. Yeah, well, a little, <laughs> little more than that. Don't say a word. I stopped in Boyce Town for for a cup of tea, so it was a little, little bit more than that. Um, we've talked about uh, Stu basketball. Uh, they are here, of course. They're January 12th, they're at Crandall, so they don't get back underway until next week, men and women. Uh, high school hoops, it's the big JV boys uh, tournament at FHS, uh, JV boys and girls tournament at FHS uh, this week, the black and gold. Uh, Jim, any Miramichi teams in that? I do not think so unless James M. Hill is over there, but I'm not positive on that. Uh, and AAA girls, Leo Hayes uh, and Ross a Saturday the 6th at, uh, at Leo Hayes. I'll be there for that one as well. Uh, and that black and gold tournament happening at FHS and the Unity Center, which is just about a three-minute walk away from our downtown Marysville studio, which we're not in, not in tonight, from, from my house, uh, the former Alexander Gibson Memorial School. used to be called The Ville, now called the Unity Center. Um, no think I've ever seen a high school game played there ever before. But really? I saw that on the schedule, and I thought that's an interesting spot. I don't even 
last time I was in, there was not even a three-point line, and it was like a it's an was an elementary school. So be interesting, interesting. to see JV. So is it the uh, second oldest basketball court in Canada? Uh, I am not sure. It might <laughs> might be the second oldest basketball court in Canada. It's pretty old. Uh, so that gets us through what's going on in Ferguson Sports this week. Uh, if you've, uh, I'm sure you both watched the, watch the, or listened to the podcast. You don't watch the podcast. Thankfully, we wouldn't be doing we wouldn't be doing this, and we wouldn't be popular if people had to watch. Yeah, we got we got faces for yeah, radio. Faces for we radio. Do. That's uh, that's for sure. Um, so we have uh, short snappers uh, that we that we uh, have here. So we'll. we'll uh, Is there like do we have to like buzz in? Am I do I need no, like, no, a, we'll, we'll like have, a buzzer? We'll, we'll have each. Oh, okay, answer, okay. But, but we're alternate who gets the, who gets the first question. Okay. Uh, so I'll start uh, start with Jim for this first one. Uh, how many different sports did you play as a youth? <laughs> I'm gonna go off on a tangent now. Um, none. I never. Uh, played an organized sport until I played basketball in grade nine. And it's, uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, a lot of people that know me know I'm into, uh, into physical education and spent most of my time in high school. But uh, when I was growing up, we played everything. But I never played an organized sport until I was in grade nine. We, uh, you know, played baseball, softball, football. We're on the outdoor rink, uh, you know, uh, played basketball on the outdoor court and uh, went and tried out in grade nine to junior high and fell in love with basketball and I've loved it ever since. So, yeah, not very much. My I played hockey for like maybe a half a year when I was in grade one or two and I just... I wasn't uh, I wasn't up for it, so I never played another organized sport until I was in grade I, I, nine. I was always scared of falling through the ice in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to play that, Jen, same question. How many how many different sports did you play as a youth? Gosh, uh, softball, hockey. I was unofficially, according to my dad, uh, one of the first females to play minor hockey in Nova Scotia. That was not yesterday. Um, yeah, I loved, loved playing hockey. And again, played it as a kid on the on the pond in Truro and uh, was not allowed to play the first time I, I uh, wanted to. And apparently my dad, Jack, uh, went to the, the powers of B at Truro Minor Hockey and put up a little bit of a, of a stink. And I played one year of novice and then was old and jumped right up to peewee and uh, still wanted to continue playing. And my mom, God love her, uh, thought that the the boys would would check me. I was five ten in seventh grade, so um, she she asked me kindly to stop. And then I switched to to basketball again. I didn't make my my high, junior high basketball team till I was in ninth grade. Uh, my elementary school gym was about as high as this classroom so not a great venue for basketball but yeah so uh played some soccer uh but nothing organized and took up golf as a as an old person so so i've got a follow-up to this one that might not be fair for you coach but i'm going to ask it anyway because i know a couple people on the podcast uh, and on the listener side have wanted this sort of brought back up um, so, what do you think of the rule that basketball in New Brunswick has about you have to try out at U13 or you can't play provincially after that? That's my understanding. Is that is that is that a rule in existence? I don't think so. Not to my. I'm not aware of that rule ever. Okay. Like to play on a BNB provincial on team. On a BNB provincial team, I've been told if you don't try out at U13, you cannot play in future years. No. So. Um, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been in, I've been out of the junior EDP program here. Uh, I still book the gym times and things like that, but I haven't been coaching it. Uh, but basically, the way it works is that U13 
uh, basically grade seven and eight is that there's no tryouts, number one. If someone signs up, they're part of that program. And then at the end of that program, they, they select the top 40 boys and the top 40 girls for what would be called their elite camp in the summer. It's a one-week camp, and then those kids go on to the BMB Summerfest tournament at the end. But that would be it. But you have to be, I think probably what they're saying is, you have to be part of the elite development program to be considered for a provincial team. Right. So, but there's different entry points. So, uh, right now there's senior EDP. I'm going to St. John on Sunday for the uh, senior EDP session for the boys. Um, will there be kids not part of that program right now that will jump in in the spring? And yeah, they have to be in at some point, but not at U13. Okay, good. I'm glad to clear that up because I know we've had uh, a little bit of feedback there. Sorry for taking our, our short snappers a little bit sideways there. And I will speed up, uh, Jen, your favorite sports logo. Oh boy, uh, whoa. Wow. Pass, come back to me. Easy one for me. Go Badgers, Wisconsin Badgers. There, there you go. That was back to you pretty quick. Darn it, can you talk some more? Philadelphia Eagles right up there too. Go Eagles, fly, fly, Eagles, fly. See, for me it would be the Las Vegas Aces would be probably my new... My new number one, I just love that that black and red, white color. I think the Kraken one has grown on me, too. The, the, the colors one. are, yeah. mm, nice. I like the colors. Yeah, I think it's yeah, grown if on I me. Could go, I'm going to go fashion over function and go with, um, yeah, Seattle, uh, the turquoise, like that. I'm going to throw a wrench into my professional playing days and uh, the Melbourne Kangaroos of the uh, Australian Rules Football League. Yes. A little catchy logo of a little kangaroo with a fun little jersey on, so... I'm, maybe I might have to uh, rethink it. My new one is probably the uh, Miramichi Hurricanes logo. There, I think, there, there it, I think go. it's that's, pretty good. That's, that's a, good answer. That's a, that's a great answer. Uh, great answer coming out there. Um, one condiment that has to be in your fridge all the time? Uh, probably mayo for me. Uh, tartar sauce. Interesting. Um, Jen, this, this will be a question I think really just for you. Uh, what rule do you have to explain the most as an official? Uh, traveling, where a player is fumbling the basketball, they don't have control of it, and they, they move with the basketball, and everybody freaks out. You cannot travel when you don't have control of the ball. Yeah, I usually just now, Jen, if I'm refereeing, and yes, I do referee when I have to, uh, I just say zero step. No one knows what I'm talking about yeah. anyway. No, zero step. Yep, yep, that's a big one, too. There you go. And, and uh, this one would be just for you, uh, Jim. Uh, what athlete did you admire most when you were growing up? Charles Barkley, probably. I think okay. that, that would be just popped up in my head. But uh, I love Charles Barkley when I was, uh, like, uh, junior high, high school. Yeah, he was probably my... Uh, right. and, and we'll end on this question. The most influential person in your sporting career? Ooh, jumpins. Yeah. I have to think about that one. That one's... Uh... Jen, go ahead. Uh, without a doubt, uh, Mike McKay, my high school coach and yeah. mentor from Truro, uh, was my high school coach, uh, summer camp. Uh, I coached with him. I played for him uh, when I was lucky enough to officiate at a U-Sport, my first U-Sport championship. Uh, he was there in the stands. You know, we chatted. Uh, he's been a supporter 
along my my journey so and he's uh taught me everything i need to know about coaching and officiating and he's a phys ed teacher so yeah a lot of props to him and my parents too for just being role models and being involved in sports at all levels and as older older adults and just being great role models hi hi mike (laughs) uh yeah well, Mike McKay would be a great, uh, as a high school coach, it's, uh, it's going to be hard to top that one, right? And I think, like, I think back, uh, I was so naive and didn't understand because I never really played competitive sports a whole lot. So when I got to high school and, you know, uh, junior high, you're on your really first competitive team when I got to grade 10 here. So I think my coach at the time, uh, Peter Gadd, who was a teacher here at Miramichi Valley, um, who still is retired and lives in the community, but... Um, he put so much time into us. Like, if we wanted to get into the gym, he made sure we could get into the gym. And he was not a basketball coach by trade. He was like a swim coach. Or, and, they, and he basically got here whenever he did and said, yeah, we need you to coach basketball. And, you know, it's funny after the fact, after you're done playing and you look back at some of the things that you were doing. And I can still remember this because I, I can remember some of the stuff that we did offensively. But then once I kind of got into coaching in the – uh, early to mid 90s and I'm going through some stuff and, and I look, oh geez we were running uh, uh, Morgan Wooten's uh, DeMatha offense I recognized it right away I didn't know what it was at the time so yeah I would say Peter Gadd uh, probably basketball wise just the time and energy that he put into us when we we're here uh, it kind of set a standard of what it is to uh, to be a coach at that high school level and how you know School's a great place, but I could not have imagined going to high school without playing basketball. And we have oh, a, lot of, a lot of kids, 100%. whether it's basketball, soccer, volleyball, whatever it is, um, those outlets after school, drama, like we have so many drama kids here, uh, they're so important at the school level. And I think, you know, uh, over the last number of years, we've all seen the number of those volunteers within the school system has really decreased. It has. And, uh, you know, so now you rely on parents and people within your community. Um, So, yeah, I really value those educators that put that extra time into students and get to know them on a different level and also provide programs that are so important to them. Excellent. That was a spectacular short snappers uh, segment. Short snapper with long answers. Yeah, but, that's, but that's okay. Uh, so just before we end, Jen and I were talking in, in the stands, Coach, uh, uh, just before we come up here to record You're going to gang up on me now, uh, eh? You know, what, what is a Tommy? I didn't have an answer to it. What's a Tommy? So what's well, your so, oh, they're everywhere. So they're Saint, everywhere. St. Thomas University was originally on the Miramichi. Uh, it was in Miramichi. We always say on the Miramichi, but it was in Miramichi. It was in the former town of Chatham. And, oh, I'd have to, late 60s, I want to say, but somebody, I'll, I'll mess up the date. Uh, the university moved to Fredericton. And when it moved, uh, not long after, James M. Hill opened up 72 or 73. And because it was the St. Thomas Tommies, the name stayed at James M. Hill. And now we have the James M. Hill Tommies. And it's a Tommy cat is what it is. Oh. oh there we go. Very, very good. So we'll, we'll end there. Uh, thank you both for this. This has been a whole lot of fun, even without my usual uh, co- you don't You don't want to, you're not going to ask before we leave what a plamo is? I know what that is. It's a fighting salmon. <laughs> it's the toughest salmon you've ever run I into was, in your time. I was today, today, today years yeah. old when I learned that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so I've known that one for a while, but uh, I couldn't really. And it's uh, it's Mi'kmaq. Balamu is Mi'kmaq for salmon. So, um, you know, so it kind of it fits really it's well. Great. But we do get a lot of questions. What's a Palamu? There, there we go. And when you play the Tommies, there's always some signs with pull uh, and then a picture of a cow or something like yeah. that, right? Love that. So yes. Let's... Again, spectacular guest. Absolutely makes the podcast. Uh, Brad, I know you're going to listen to this. I wish you were here. Uh, you'd make the drive back home a whole lot more fun uh, as well. Uh, we've got to wrap up here because we've got to get downstairs for the UPI and stew game, which by the time anyone hears this will be over, of course. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Coach, you pressed me into a little duty there for this one. Yeah, Bill, uh, well, you were the... Um the best option we had. Let's put it that way. Wow, your 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 list must have been pretty short. I'll say that. Well, uh, let's just say this: uh, you're doing the job of two people today. There, there we go. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, again, folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll try to be back uh, next week uh, with another one of these. Never know who the guests are or where we're going to show up. Uh, first time on the road outside of Fredericton uh, for this one. Uh, and again, uh, absolutely thanks to the guests and spectacular announcement uh, coming up here at the halftime of, of the Stew game. And of course, we talked about that. Hopefully I, hopefully I don't uh, screw up the video that we're going to play up on the uh, wall of the gym. Oh, did we, did we leave you in charge of that? <laughs> uh, I, unfortunately, I am, but we do have some better tech people than me. Gonna, gonna I did give it a trial run last night there, so there must be like I'm, a 12 year old I'm, around or I'm, something I'm really positive at the deck <laughs> all right thanks folks uh enjoy the music on the way out and uh you know uh, catch you next week regional service commission 11 is now known as the capital region service commission for all your building or subdivision permits regional transportation social mandates and economic development questions visit capitalrsc.ca that's c-a-p-i-t-a-l-r-s-c dot c-a Email info at crsc.ca, call 506-453-2956, or visit our office at 860 Prospect Street in Fredericton.